worship God together.
Father, we thank you this morning for your presence. We come with joy. It's hard to describe based on things that never change. Your love and grace. Your gift in Jesus. Hope in a troubled world. Thank you, Father. We worship you in love. We commit ourselves to you. We're just glad you loved us first. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. So glad to have you here today. Hope you've come with a spirit of worship. Hope you're getting into the Christmas spirit. It's almost time. We're glad you're here. And a good morning from Kid Street as well. Well, we each have a straw, which is kind of strange, right? But if you remember, we are reading The Giving Manger. And it's a story about a family that decided to do Christmas a little different, right? Instead of always counting on all the presents on our Christmas list, right? They decided to concentrate on doing things for each other, being kind and thoughtful and nice, right? And then remembering those things. So I want you guys to think about something that you did that was nice for somebody else this week, okay? And then when we're all done, we'll place the straw in the manger, right? You heard Pastor Kevin and our song, Joy to the World, talking about joy, right? Lots of things can make us happy. A lot of things can make us sad, too. If I get a new toy, I'm happy, right? If my toy breaks or runs out of batteries, oh man, I'm sad, right? If the Chiefs win, I'm happy, right? If the Chiefs lose, ah, darn it, you know, I'm, I'm in a bummy mood, right? But joy is different than that, isn't it? We have joy because of what God did at Christmas, right? He sent his son. Why? Because he loves us. And because of Christmas, we're connected to a love that lasts. It lasts longer than all the happies, and it lasts over all the sads. Okay? So remember that this holiday season, that we have joy. It's more than just being happy and sad. It's being connected to God's love forever. Okay? So after I pray, I'll have you walk up here, and you can put your hay in the manger. Think about that one nice thing that you did for somebody, okay? And then on your way back to your seat, you can get a puzzle or a coloring off of the front pew, all right? All right, will you bow with me? Dear Lord, we thank you for the gift of your son and the joy that he brings, that it is more than all the happies and all the sads that we have, that we can be connected to your love forever. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Each Sunday, we light a different candle, symbolizing one of the meanings of the Advent services. So today, Elmer and Dora Fuchs will come up and light the candle of joy. As they do so, I will read a passage of Scripture from Isaiah chapter 35. The wilderness and the desert will be glad, and the Arabah will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will blossom profusely and rejoice with the rejoicing and shout of joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. 
Encourage the exhausted and strengthen the feeble. Say to those with anxious heart, take courage, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. The recompense of God will come, but he will save you. And the ransom of the Lord will return and come a joyful shining to Zion with everlasting joy upon their heads. They will find gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing will flee. As I've said, times were hard for the Hebrew people. Even in good times, there was always the threat of what might happen. There were bad guys literally everywhere, sometimes even within their own borders. So the prophets often spoke of joy, the joy that will come because of Messiah. So the prophets, seven, eight hundred years before Jesus, began to speak of coming Messiah. And this was the one thing that gave people hope, that someday God would do something wonderful to change everything. And there was peace and hope and joy that was to come. Would you pray with me, please? Father, again, we thank you for your presence, for the hope of joy that we have in Jesus. There is hope in the joy that will come, not only at salvation and in eternity, but now in this life. Father, we pray that we would be part of the solution to the problems of this world. Help us do our part to bring joy into the lives of others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and continue to sing and worship together. Angels we have heard on high Sweetly sing o'er the plains And the mountains in reply Echoing their joyous strains
Good morning. Uh, before I pray, I'd like to wish a happy birthday to someone special today, uh, Mr. Kevin Payne. pray with me please dear heavenly father we thank you for this day we thank you for all the things that we just take for granted every day we thank you for the good health and just things that you've given us father that sometimes we don't even think of we ask that you be with all those that this crazy time of year just keep them safe and father we ask you be with all those that are away from their loved ones this time of year just help them to have a good Christmas and be with each other in their hearts. We ask now that you take these tithes and offerings and use them in the way that you see fit. In your son Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you, Nate and Brian and Quinn. Always appreciate the musicians in our church and for Michelle singing. We're blessed to have them here. Open your Bibles with this morning, if you would, Ephesians chapter 2. Continuing in our series, God's Great Gifts to Humanity, talking today about God's gifts of answers. Answers to questions of eternal nature. Answers of questions about God and spiritual things. As you're turning to the passage in Ephesians 2, we always pray, as we should, a special prayer for Nick and Rainey Morris. Most of you know who they are, a young couple that attends. And Nick was shot in a drive-by shooting this week. Some of you probably saw it in the prayer request. Don't know any details. He was shot three times, has had multiple surgeries, and will continue to go through that. He's at Truman Medical Center. No visitors right now. But uh, it looks like he will be fine long-term, but we'll have multiple surgeries and a months-long rehabilitation. So pray for him and the surgeons. Pray for his wife. It's, again, Nick and Renee. And pray that God can heal them and they can gain some sense of peace and hope. I believe they've already caught the suspect, so that's a good thing. As always... We begin with prayer. I'll give you a few moments to pray where you're seated, not only for Nick and Renee, but for so many others who struggle this time of year. Pray for the vaccines as they come out, that they will be effective, that people's lives will be saved, that this pandemic will be no more. I'll give you a few moments to pray. I'll close, and we'll look at this passage together. Would you bow with me, please? Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for your presence. We worship you, Father. In a very busy season, we stop everything to worship you. You are that important to us, Father. We don't do this for anyone else. We cease our activities. We turn our hearts and our thoughts towards you. We worship you, Father, recognizing your power, your grace, and your mercy. We thank you for your generous gifts to us, this life, the stuffs of this life, for this great nation and the blessings we enjoy, for the salvation we rejoice in in Jesus, for the hope that we have in the life that is to come. Father, for these things we thank you. You are generous. You give us a model for how we are to share with others. Thank you. Father, this morning we pray that you would be merciful to us. We are a sinful people. We take even the best things and hurt them and distort them. We ask for your forgiveness and mercy and patience. We ask you to be with those in our congregation who struggle, for those that have been injured, for Nick and Renee Morris in particular. Heal him. Guide the doctors as they do surgeries. And we pray, Father, that you would give him strength and the ability to function once again. Be with his wife. Give her comfort in difficult times and hope. We pray for justice. We pray for an end for these kinds of things. Father, in this world, there is evil. We ask for help. As always, be with our soldiers, our first responders, those working with COVID patients, 
We pray that the vaccine would be effective, that the pandemic would cease, that we could get back to normal. Help us as a nation to stand together. We are broken and divided. Help us, Father. Lord, we thank you. We are wealthy and blessed. Teach us now from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Answers. I want answers, don't you? Just so many questions. I just want somebody to tell me what in the world is going on. So I had this conversation with someone who's trained in the sciences, and this has been a couple of months ago when the COVID thing was raging like it is now, but there was a lot less information out there. I guess it's been two or three months ago, and uh, Fauci was saying one thing, and Trump was saying another thing, and, and everybody else had their own opinions. It's kind of like it is now, right? And no one really knew the truth, or it was hard to discern the truth. So I had this person in my life that is trained in the sciences, in the medical profession, and I said, so tell me what's going on here. How come all these scientists disagree? She said, well, here, this is the way it is. Whenever a scientist says, this is what we know, that means this is what we know today. And there was this pregnant pause, like she was waiting for me to catch up. So I said, and what we know today on almost everything will change. She says, so regardless of what you hear on the news today or what someone expert says today, they're not necessarily lying to you. It's just this is what they know today and based on research and discoveries, what we, they tell you tomorrow or our understandings in six months may be completely different. And no one's lying to you. No one's trying to deceive you. It's just the nature of scientific inquiry. And I said, okay. I walked away really unsatisfied because that is not what I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear a definitive answer. I don't want somebody to tell me, well, this is a process and you're just going to have to be patient. I don't want to be patient. I don't want somebody to tell me, you just don't understand the process. I know that I'm ignorant. I get it. What I want, though, is someone to tell me this is the truth and it's always going to be the truth and it's always been the truth and quit your fussing about it, all right? That's what I want. Anybody with me? I just want to know the truth. And it doesn't matter whether it's the COVID or COVID-19, however you say it. It could be interpretations of biblical passages. It could be who's the best quarterback ever besides Holmes, right? And all those kinds of things. You know, we have these questions, and we don't want to know what the truth is today. I want to know what is the truth. Unfortunately, we live in a world where the truth so many times is in a state of flux because of scientific research, because of historical research, because of developing understandings. So we have to make our way in this world where sometimes a definitive idea of the truth just cannot be had. And yet, there is one who understands us. One who created us, who gifted us with an inquisitive mind, with gifted us with the ability for rational thought, with, that gifted us with free choice and all those kinds of things. And he understood that sometimes we don't need process. We need truth. So God acted in past years to provide us some truth of a spiritual nature. Truths that are always true. Truths that have always been true. Truths that are true today, truths that will be true when we die, 
truths that our grandchildren will hopefully learn and accept. Paul used big words, dramatic concepts, sometimes challenging ideas to teach us some of these unchanging truths. Follow along with me if you would. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Ephesians chapter 2, I'll read the first 10 verses. Kind of a long chapter, but it's worth it. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we are dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, in order that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works that no one should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So to a world that is full of truth that changes, God spoke through Paul and gave us some understandings of truth that will never change. So we can look and see that some of the things that we have to understand is that one of the gifts of God through Christ is the gift of unchanging spiritual truth. Now, as an aside, this does not mean that all preachers agree, okay? The idea that all preachers agree, that is something for after Jesus comes when it's all been settled. Preachers are going to fuss. It's kind of like the thing between Democrats and Republicans. They're going to fuss. Protestants, me, Baptists, my Pentecostal friends and my Catholic neighbors all disagree on lots of things, and that's okay. But on those essential truths that we're going to talk about today, there is agreement. So in this passage on screen is this idea that there is a gift of spiritual truth. And so I'm going to have just two or three questions and try to answer those in a way that God would say, this is forever. Number one. What about God and the spirits? Well, again, I direct your attention to this passage. In those first two or three verses, here are some phrases. The course of this world, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, and then the idea that we all walked in the lust of our flesh, including the desires of the flesh. And then here's this phrase. We were by nature children of wrath. What in the world is Paul talking about? One of the eternal truths that we need to understand when we talk about the realm of the Spirit is that we are sinful people. Now that doesn't have to be very hard to prove. When someone says you're a sinner, that doesn't mean you're a bad person. That means you're normal, doesn't it? Because think of everybody you've ever met. Have you ever met someone who is truly, profoundly, and eternally perfect? Well, of course not. Even the sweetest person you know will do something that will surprise you somewhere in his or her life. I have been amazed sometimes by who will do what in my life. I've known some really fine people, and I've seen the dark side of some really fine people, and so have you. 
I have also surprised myself. Preacher. Supposed to be better than I am. Not so much sometimes. I surprise me with my depravity and evil. Paul said, listen, we're all in the same boat. One tremendous spiritual truth is everybody is on the same level. Every single one of us. You will never meet anyone that is above sin. You will never meet anyone that hasn't ever sinned. When we say that people are sinners, we're not saying that people can't be good. We're saying that people have something wrong with them. We have this thing within us that tends to separate us from God. And and more than that, we are people of wrath, which means we are worthy of God's judgment. Did you see where he put that in there? Every one of us, because of our sin, is worthy of God's judgment. Not just those people. You fill in the blank, those people. Us people. Everybody is worthy of God's judgment. And the crazy thing is, we are not in this alone. It's just people. But also, there is, there is an evil one, the prince of the power of the air, devil himself, the evil one, I call him. And he is working against us. You do not have to walk around looking for a guy with a long red tail and all those things. Not what we're talking about. We're talking about spiritual forces that are working to destroy humanity. I remember a picture in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch several years ago. It's been over 25 years ago. There were a series of really horrendous murders in St. Louis. And they were totally without rhyme nor reason. And it was terrifying. And someone had written on a cardboard placard and hung it on a fence. And it simply said, there is evil among us. And that captured national attention. You may have seen it. Simply because it expressed what we all knew but didn't want to say. There is evil in our midst. When someone raises the question, is there evil? Oh yeah. I don't know that we can blame everything on the evil one. We seem to be able to generate plenty of problems on our own. But there is an evil one working in the spiritual realm, and he is working against us, working against you. Sometimes you wonder, how in the world can we get in such a mess? We have help. There is an evil one. Don't know much about him, but he's there. Interestingly enough, one eternal truth is understanding that part of the problem of humanity isn't just our own brokenness, but the evil one who works towards evil ends. And then he finishes his accession. Look at verse 5. No, verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy. So he describes us as evil and broken, worthy of wrath. And then he says, but God, rich in mercy. So there's it. This profound spiritual truth that contrasts the far part. Yes, we're sinners. Yes, we're broken. Yes, we're worthy of hell. But God saves us. The eternal truth is that we always have to hang on to is that we are not in this alone. There is a God who loves us, who gives us grace, who works to save us, who works to influence us, whose power counters that of the evil one. The prince of the power of the air is evil and yet he is restricted by God's power. You are not alone in this battle against evil. You are not alone in this struggle of this life and the life that is to come. There are forces of evil. You're a part of that. 
but there is also a force of good, God's grace for us all. You can't fix it, but God is the one who can. There's another question. We can get this on screen. What happens when we die? And the answer is, of course, spiritual life and death. I wish I could give you details. This is what happens. And, and I've tried to do this in sermons past, and I even wrote a paper one time, What Happens When We Die? And I tried to use passages and come up with a very clear timeline. And I worked for several months on this paper. When I was done, I was very happy with it. So I put it back, didn't show it to anybody. And then I read it a few months later, and I go, I don't think this is really it. It wasn't that I didn't believe what I said. I just thought that this timeline thing of how I had it all figured out probably wasn't meant to be literal the way God says. And I finally came to the point where it's okay to talk about it, the timeline and the hows and the whys and therefores and all those kinds of things. Good discussion, good Bible study. But the reality is eternity is a mystery. And the eternal truth that you can live with is that God is there for you in life and in death. God is with you. He helps you in this life, and then at the point of death, God greets you with open arms. For the follower of Jesus, there is no fear in death. God is with us. Look at verse 5. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And there it is. The eternal truth, by grace you have been saved. You do not have to earn it. It is God's grace. Sometimes people think you have to give so much money, you have to go to church so many times, or whatever. It's all about God's grace and receiving His gift of salvation. Whenever you talk to people about God's grace. Whenever you talk maybe to yourself or your children or grandchildren, make sure they understand that this isn't based on anything about us. It's based on God's character. So if someone says, I don't deserve it, it's okay to acknowledge that. You're right. But God's grace moves towards you. God loves you. But what about? No what abouts. God's grace moves towards you to save you. A lot of us carry around baggage for things we've done 30 and 40 and 50 years ago. And there's simply no need for that. Make amends as much as you can. Trust God to cleanse you, and He will. God's grace strips away the powers of evil. This is why the passage begins with the mention of the evil one and ends with God's grace, because God's grace trumps all things. One other thing here. God calls us to a life of service. What am I supposed to do with my life? The eternal truth is, get off your hump and do something. Serve others. Dave, your children's message is spot on. Do something good for other people. It's really that simple. God has called us to a life of service. Look, if you would, at verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What am I supposed to do with my life? Get up and serve others. Serve your spouse, yes. Serve your children. Serve your neighbor's bratty kids. Serve your noxious neighbor. Serve those people who just can't help themselves. 
be gracious and kind. Interestingly enough, did you see this little phrase in there in verse 10? Which God prepared beforehand. Before you existed. Before this world existed. In the mind of God before creation, God had in mind the plan for humanity. He knew we would fall. He knew we would need help. And he provided for that. You are God's plan for meeting the needs of other people. I've been pleasantly surprised in the last several months about the way people in America have united to help others. Interestingly enough, most of the organizations, not all, but many of the organizations that you've seen collecting food and helping others are Christian-oriented, aren't they? There's a lot of Christian sentiment. We understand this part anyway. In our sin and weakness, we understand that God calls us to help others. Yes, it could be as easy as being gracious and kind to someone in the line at Walmart or Target or wherever you shop. Even at Aldi's, it applies there too. It could be as much as taking gifts to those who struggle. It could be as much as paying someone's bills. One of my friends is a homeless guy. Rose knows who I'm talking about. Violent felon. Careful not to cross him. But I have learned over these past months that what he really needs is just someone to talk to. I don't really want to be his friend. I mean, really. I don't. But I know he needs a friend. Most of his friends are in prison. Most of his friends, he's beat up. I mean, he's one of those guys, you know. You hear about him in the news, and, and I'm just a little bit afraid of him. Not too much, but a little bit afraid of him. He's only shown his anger a couple of times. But I've realized that what he needs is somebody to talk to and talk him down. On two or three occasions, I've had extensive conversations with him, and he was angry and agitated and, and wanted to fight somebody, and I was the lucky guy. But I found out that if I'm gracious with him, and let him talk, eventually he'll calm down, and then I find out what's really going on, and I try to help him a little bit. I don't know if it's, you know, you know, with some people you never know. He's had a lifetime of in and out of prison, a lifetime on the street, a lifetime of beating people up and getting beaten up, police included, and so he's got a, a thin exterior, a thick exterior of, of crust and callous and anger. But I've learned that if I'm gracious, I might be able to help him through another day. I wish I could say it was enjoyable. It's not. Sometimes I'm too busy. Sometimes I'm not in the mood. But when I do that, I know it's the right thing. Created for good works in Christ, which God has prepared beforehand. One final thought up on screen. God's answers to our deepest questions provide a foundation for living. His truth is unchanging and provides an unshakable foundation for our lives. I said I'm not always in the mood and sometimes I'm too busy. Always true. But I have found, as have some of you, that doing what God has called you to do is always the best thing. You're not always in the right mood. You don't always have time. But when you have an opportunity to serve God, then you've stumbled into the idea 
of something that makes a difference into eternity. God provides you things that you can build your life upon, eternal truths that never change. What I've told you today isn't new. Hopefully, there'll be preachers in 100 years preaching the same message because people will still need it. Maybe you'll remember it in 20 or 30 years. Maybe you get to pass it on to someone else. But it is truth that makes a difference in life. And that's one of the greatest gifts that God has given us in Jesus. Nate's going to come and lead us in a hymn of invitation and commitment. Let me challenge you. Make that commitment to follow the Jesus who loves you, the one who died for you, the God who created you, wants to give grace to you and use you to serve others. Would you stand with me, please? Nate? going to come and lead us in a closing prayer. Mike, come on over here. Let me encourage you to be in prayer for our church. And again, I remind you of Nick and Renee and pray for others in our church that are going through difficult times. Also, we will be having our Christmas Eve service. So hope you have that marked off on your calendar. Mike. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask you to be with us now as we go and keep and protect us from harm. And just lead us this week in the way that we go. And Father, help us to do a good deed this week. And maybe, hey, if we got some extra money or something, give it to someone that really needs it. In your son Jesus' name, amen.